Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Inside Sources on KSL News Radio. Welcome back to Inside Sources. I'm your guest host, Lee Lonsberry. I told you before the break that I was going to hijack the program for the next half hour. Here's why. My wife is pregnant. In six weeks, I'm going to become a dad for the first time. And my wife has asked me to learn a number of things. I've taken some classes. I've even taken uh, uh, this class. We, we've taken, we took infant CPR. We took a Lamaze class. We took a birthing in general class. And I, in fact, myself, travel without my wife. I went to a, uh, a, spou- a father's and partner's uh, lactation support class. I went to that on my own. Uh, I, I learned a bunch of things. Uh, and there is still more for me to learn. There is uh, one thing in which uh, many women find themselves, uh, and that is the, the, the condition of postpartum depression. Uh, I, my wife, I presume her to be a strong uh, woman who handles her emotions well and all circumstances that are thrown her way. Uh, she handles with grace and strength. Uh, but that doesn't make her or anyone immune from what could come after giving birth to a baby. And if I learned anything in my uh, lactation class, uh, it is that uh, that I'm going to be on the front lines. I'm going to be the one uh, to, to be with her most often, and I'm going to be the one who's going to need to have my eyes open uh, for what might be uh, uh, affecting her. Uh, to help me understand what to look for and to talk uh, in general about uh, what's going on, uh, in in these circumstances, I've invited onto the program Erin Shepard. She's a, a licensed clinical social social worker, and she specializes in maternal mental health. Erin, uh, uh, welcome to the program, and thank you for joining us. Yes, thank you for having me. It sounds like congratulations are in order for thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, tell me, someone in my condition, or my situation, I should say, what what, what should I know, and uh, and after the baby comes, what should I keep my eyes open for? Um, so there's so much, but one thing I think that kind of is at the forefront that, um, here in the state of Utah, we're trying to get better at having all providers use is a screening tool, um, called the Edinburgh Postpartum Depression Scale. And this is a 10 questionnaire that your wife should have been given a couple of times during her pregnancy. And she'll probably leave the hospital with a copy. And when she goes in for her postpartum check, she will also be given a copy of that. But sometimes we forget how helpful that is for partners um, and spouses to have. Because a lot of times, you know, you wonder, like, how do I know she's doing okay? You know, you mentioned things about her personality and and how she copes. But in the back of your mind, it's kind of like, well, how do I know? And these questions can kind of be a way for you to ask things specifically, just decide, you know, how are you doing? Um, so some that I really like that are on there is, do you blame yourself unnecessarily when things go wrong? Um, that is a question that really helps us identify anxiety or depression. And that's something that's really easy as a spouse or partner for you to look for um, and, and ask. You know, how, how, is that, how is that going and how she feels? Um, another question that can be taken from that is kind of gauging her sense of humor. 
you know, things mm-hmm. that she would typically have laughed about in the past, but yeah. you just kind of notice that they're falling flat. Uh, but my jokes tend to fall flat all the time now. That may be... <laughs> <laughs> we may need to skip um, that that, uh, that point. <laughs> that, that wouldn't be a warning sign in that case. There you go. Well, if she starts um, laughing, I should be concerned, right? Yes. Yep. And, you know, just even just her looking forward to things that she would normally look forward to or showing interest in things that, you know, typically in the past would have been something that she would have looked forward to. And what uh, if I if I have this uh, this questionnaire or this series of of points I should keep an eye out if I if I happen to notice that one is a miss what what do I do then? Um, then that's a place where you can bring that conversation up with her and kind of recognize if it's interfering with her ability to function. Um, these are kind of red flags. They're screening tools. They're not. It's not diagnosing her. You know, the first time that she doesn't laugh at your joke doesn't mean that you know you could diagnose her. Um, these are just kind of screening tools. So they're red flags that there could be something going on. So if over time you notice that that's not getting any better, if over time you also notice that the other things are being layered onto that too. You know, she's not sleeping when when she could. Sleep's a really hard thing. Uh, but when you're not sleeping when you could be sleeping. You're blaming yourself unnecessary. You have a low tolerance for frustration. All of these build up, and they're all red flags. And then I think your question kind of becomes the question everybody has is, how do I support uh, this mother? And talking to them first, you know, and and seeing what they need, Um, letting them know that they're heard and they're seen. And then the next level would be to reach out you know, professionally, whether that is to their provider, um, to community resources. There is a group called Postpartum Support International, and Utah has a chapter. It's PSI Utah. Um, They are a wonderful resource that we have here in our state, and there are also several private providers all along the Wasatch Front, Um, and that would kind of be that professional realm that you could reach out to as well. Another area would be looking at, like, wellness planning. So things like protecting her sleep, um, making sure that she has good nutrition. These are pre- um, pre- preemptive measures I, I can assist. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Go on. I'm sorry. I interrupted you. What else can I do to, to help avoid uh, the, the, this experience for her? And, you know, I think sometimes we want to avoid it, you know, and we look at those risk factors and we think, okay, this is what we have to stay away from. But a lot of times it's not something that we avoid. It's something that that we manage and we take care of throughout. And so focusing on those protective factors. So, you know, having adult time, having breaks from baby, um, having things that, you know, you can laugh about, um, just that quality time that those things that she would have enjoyed before baby, uh, facilitating those and and making room for those after baby, um, are really important as well. Is there, now I, I shouldn't make this all about me. Uh, are, are there any, is there anything comparable in the, in the father's experience? Uh, do, should I maybe anticipate feeling a little blue myself? Yes. Um, and that is an area that isn't talked a lot about. 
And it sounds like you're very well prepared going into it as much as you can be to recognize, hey, wait a second, there's there's more components here, right? Um, and that is is very real. And so the same thing goes for you as a father and as a support person. Um, you are on those front lines. I think that was kind of the word you use. And that comes with its own level of trust. You know, you're bonding to this new person, this new being in your life as well, and your roles and um, your sleeps invaded too at times. And so I think working together in a partnership and kind of being able to check in with one another, one of the biggest things that we fight a lot about or fight to stop is the stigma associated around emotional health and wellness and that it's not a sign of weakness. Um, And that's something that as a couple, you guys can work together to support one another and have those conversations. I'll admit that I am one who is over, who has had to, has fought to overcome the stigma of this issue. And, and it's, you know, I think I've made some progress now that I'm willing to talk about it here on the radio, I guess. Uh, but, uh, but you're absolutely right. And I, I at least personally have come to, to realize that no, actually, the, the more you talk about this stuff, the more you're open about it, the more you find folks who have gone through experiences like, uh, uh, like your own, uh, it may be the better off you are. And if nothing else, it may serve to, to boost someone else up who's going through something. Uh, and just need someone who can empathize uh, with what they're experiencing. Uh, Aaron, right. I'm, I'm grateful to you for, for coming on here. I'm grateful to the advice you've given to me. I'm going to take it with me as I go into this new adventure of life here in about seven weeks. Uh, next up, we're going to talk uh, to uh, a woman named Christy Ridd Young. She is the founder of the Utah Doula Association. My wife came to me uh, some... I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Time ago and said, uh, Lee, I'd like, to, I'd like to give birth with the aid of a doula. And my first question is, all right, that's fine. Uh, I guess we'll just have to go on to Amazon and see if they have any in stock. And she says, no, 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 you don't understand. And I said, well, what's a doula? Well, after the break, we're going to have the, the founder of the Utah Doula Association and current president of the Midwives College of Utah tell us exactly what is a doula and what uh, a doula's role is in the birth process. Uh, don't go away. We've got plenty left here on the program. I'm Lee Lonsberry filling in on Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. Inside sources. Inside sources. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back. You're listening to Inside Sources. I'm your guest host, Lee Lonsberry. I, uh, I told you that I was going to hijack this section of the program uh, for my own benefit. The thing is, I have a baby on the way. My wife will be giving birth in about seven weeks' time, and uh, she's asked me to, to get prepared, and I want to do that because I uh, feel it's my responsibility. I have uh, some duties as a father, and I want to get uh, uh, educated, and I want to get up to speed, and I want to be everything that a, a good husband and father should be. Uh, a few weeks ago, or months now, my wife came to me and she said, uh, Hey, Lee, I... Uh, have been doing a little bit of research and uh, speaking to a few of my friends in a yoga class and elsewhere, and I would like uh, for there to be a doula present for the birth of our young baby. 
and uh, I'd like you to, to look into what a doula is and, and see if you might be comfortable with, uh, with that, and, and if so, we can go forward from there. Uh, I, I've done a little bit of research. I've met with a few doulas, uh, but I still have a few questions. And to that end, I've invited onto the program today Christy Ridd Young. She is the founder of the Utah Doula Association and current president of the Midwives College of uh, Utah. Christy, welcome to the program. Thank you, Lee, and uh, congratulations on being such a great dad and looking in, supporting your wife and looking into a doula. Sure. To, uh, what is a doula? Well, uh, there's a lot that a doula does, but I guess to put it most simply, um, birth doulas, we have birth doulas and postpartum doulas. So I'll talk about birth doulas, and we are trained in offering advice and comfort measures such as breathing, relaxation, movement, positioning, and uh, we do a lot of hands-on touch if that's what the mom wants, hot or cold packs, beverages, warm bath showers. So a lot of comfort measures giving you as a dad ideas on how to best support your wife in that regard or your partner. And then we also do a lot with um, advocating for moms so that, that the family can have their birth preferences honored. And most importantly, we, uh, we advocate for, for parents, help you fill in those educational gaps, and just provide continuous emotional, physical, spiritual, and mental support throughout the entire labor process. When I first uh, Googled doula, uh, I was lucky to spell it right the first try, I <laughs> read the, the definition and I heard a lot of the things that you just shared with us, the uh, the support, the emotional support, the, the, the physical massage and foot. And I I said to myself, I said, those seem like all, those seem like jobs that I should be performing. Is is the doula a replacement for the father? That's a great question, and it often comes up, especially for first-time parents, uh, because we kind of have this idea that we're going to be in this little protected. It's my job and... to protect my wife and my child. I don't need anyone to come in and do it. Right, I can do this. Right, I, I'm all about this, and that is true. However, we have found that with the doula present dads actually tend to get more involved because they have someone modeling the right kind of care. Um, there's nothing worse than doing what you think is perfect for your wife, and then she says, stop that, you're bugging me. Hmm. And then a lot of times dads will be really hands-off because they feel like they're not doing it right. So the doula can show you um, techniques that that tend to be more effective in labor and also kind of take care of that emotional trauma that you're also experiencing as different things might come up in the birth and help you understand this is all normal, what she's doing, what she's saying, how she's behaving is normal, or if something moves out of the range of normal, help you understand the questions to ask so that the two of you can make the most informed decisions. At what stage of the birth process is the, is the doula involved? Well, as early as possible, uh, because then you can start developing a relationship, you know, the doula and the rest of the family that will be involved. But most of the time, it's usually maybe 28 to 30 weeks that a couple starts thinking, hmm, I want a doula. And if um, a, a person does not have a support partner, a supportive partner or family members, of course, even earlier is desired because you need someone to be there with you continuously through those last few weeks of, of your prenatal and um, 
than during the birth and postpartum. And doulas are usually involved for a couple prenatal appointments, then the entire labor and birth, and a couple of postpartum visits. They're there present when the baby comes. They are there when the baby comes, hopefully. That is that is the ideal scenario. That is the plan. Man, oh, man. I'm nervous about all this. <laughs> You're sounding a little overwhelmed, right? I'm trying to I'm trying to get uh, up to speed. I'm taking all these classes. I'm talking to people called doulas, uh, and, and I'm getting more and more comfortable with this idea. W- what are some of the services that that a doula offers uh, afterwards, after the birth? Well, I understand that your previous program was talking a lot about um, you know postpartum health, yeah. and and we have found a lot of studies on the benefits of doulas have found that if a family, especially the birthing mom feels like her birth was a positive experience, um, then the postpartum tends to be much more positive. And so a doula will initially stay with the family for the first two or three hours after birth. And then in my doula services, I check in kind of at those big milestones, like when the milk comes in, when partner goes back to work, when in-laws leave, um, maybe when mom goes back to work. And so those might be phone check-ins or they might actually be personal visits. A lot of birth doulas are also postpartum doulas, so they actually transition right into maybe being with the family four or five, 10 or 12 hours per week in those first six weeks postpartum. How prevalent is the is the use of a doula uh, these days? It's getting a lot more prevalent than it was, uh, you know, 20, 20 years ago when I first uh, founded the Utah Doula Association. And um, I've been training doulas for about 30 years and have trained over 2,000 doulas. And now in my doula trainings, I have to turn uh, people away every training. So there are a lot of people who want to become doulas. And I would say, I don't have a statistic for you, but I would say that um, personally I've seen it increase oh, probably threefold the use of doulas. And in Utah, we have a very active doula association, and there should be no reason that somebody who wants a doula can't find a doula. That might be different in some other states and certainly in rural areas, but we're seeing it more and more than ever before. You can hardly pick up a a parenting magazine or a childbirth magazine without reading about doulas. Is there a role? In the dictionary now. Say again, in the dictionary? Dictionary, but it's there. Shoot, you made it. (laughs) Right, Uh, they made it. Let me ask you this: Is there a role for for doulas if, say, the mother has? a mother of her own uh, to accompany her or a sister or, or someone who's been through the childbirth process in the past? There still is a role for doulas because, again, the sister, the mother, um, even sometimes a girlfriend can be so emotionally involved that it's hard for them to stay in that empathetic role and instead they move into that sympathetic role. And so um, the studies show, and there are a lot of studies on the benefits of doulas, and the studies do show that someone specifically designated and trained in that role tends to be more effective. That's not to say that mothers and sisters and, and girlfriends um, and certainly partners aren't, aren't also just as relevant, but we all have a different role as part of that, that care team around the mom and her birth. Well, Christy, I'm grateful to you. I'm grateful to, to what you've taught me and what you've taught the audience today. 
uh, I I'm looking forward to becoming a dad, and uh, and and we're gonna have a doula there, and uh, I think it's gonna go just fine. I think it will too, and you know you've done a lot toward that with being educated and um, supporting your wife in in choosing to have a doula, and together you'll make a great team. Thank you so much. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, listen, folks, uh, stick around. When we come back, uh, we're going to get back to that topic I was pushing so heavily earlier. That is the Demolition Derby. We're going to have a real live in-studio Demolition Derby judge uh, here when we come back. I'm Lee Lonsberry filling in here on Inside Sources on KSL News Radio. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.